Chapter fourteen of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fourteen The Revolution in Honduras. Part two. Eight. I settled at a small hotel where one enjoyed the advantage of intimate association with a native family. There were only two other guests, but the family was multitudinous a young man had fallen in love with the landlady's daughter and married her and had brought so many relatives of his own to live at his mother-in-law's expense that they filled all the rooms until there was space only for three boarders just how they all managed to exist on the trifling income of the establishment was an unfathomable mystery but they contrived somehow not only to feed and clothe themselves but also to keep a servant she was an anemic little girl in a tattered linen dress. She was always smiling as she raced from one room to another to answer a summons. Everybody seemed to take fiendish delight in calling for her. The cry of, Patrona, Patrona, echoed across the patio from morning until night. Even the parrot had adopted the slogan, and throughout his waking hours would screech, Patrona, and Patrona, always cheerful, obeyed each call one of the other guests was a married lady whose husband had sent her to tegucigalpa to keep her out of the way of an expected battle elsewhere with the extreme faithfulness of latin american wives she locked herself in her room to which patrona brought her meals she emerged only to wash baby clothes at the hotel pump or to scream instructions to her numerous progeny in the patio a noisy little brood of future revolutionists who paid no heed to her many injunctions the other guest was a spaniard who had just come up from nicaragua to bring twenty-four prize gamecocks for sunday's rooster fight he was a tall horse-faced loquacious individual who talked continuously at the table mostly in subtle smut he was an artist at the use of double entente and had raised vulgarity above the level of pure nastiness so that it was now quite suitable for dinner-table conversation in the presence of ladies he was a jovial person predisposed toward the singing of love-songs to which he could wave time with his knife and never spill a bean if his gamecocks won on sunday he was planning to hire an airplane and fly home to nicaragua he intended to load it with beautiful women and sail as close as possible to the romantic tropical moon his roosters were tied to stanchions in the patio they were continually glaring at one another flapping their wings crowing challenges and straining at the cords that held each of them by the foot whenever the spaniard ceased his vigilance one of the married lady's children was certain to unloose a bird and watch him peck a neighbor to death but on saturday the survivors were sent to the arena packed into individual compartments in a large wooden box and thereafter the hotel was peaceful the box disappeared down the street on the shoulders of a peon accidentally inverted so that the gamecocks stood on their heads an indignity which should have made them scrapping mad for the morrow the revolution not having materialized i went to the cockfight it was held in a back yard where a rude board shack had been improvised there was a dirt-floored ring surrounded by a four-foot wall and overlooked by a rickety grandstand and a still more rickety bleachers the ring was already thronged with natives each holding a rooster in his arms and shoving it at another fellow's rooster in order to provoke the martial spirit 
the birds were fluttering blinking beady eyes at other birds and clucking loudly to express their irritation back against the adobe rampart of the establishment were some forty other prospective contestants each in an individual cage crowing noisily as though he would proclaim himself the father of the largest egg ever laid in honduras there was much delay it seems that the gentlemen in the ring were trying to match their birds but each desired to pair off his own with one that could be easily licked there was much argument much waving of hands much indignant protest at length it was settled a little fat man beside me commenced sawing off the spurs from a rooster's legs and fitting thereon two sharp curved blades of steel at the money counter a rough wooden board presided over by a tall stony-faced man with heavy black eyebrows and the general air of the professional gambler there was great excitement men crowded about it shouting two pesos on the red one a one peso on the gallina the umpire a well-dressed impressive-looking individual who had once held office in the honduran cabinet inspected the steel gaffs and the fight commenced the two owners released their birds and withdrew for a moment both cocks eyed one another then in apparent indifference they turned away and pecked unconcernedly at the ground strolling around the ring as though neither saw the other they walked clumsily bothered by the long blades they carried occasionally they stopped raising their heads and crowed then they resumed their pecking at the earth hunting imaginary worms this however was all bluff designed to throw the adversary off his guard quick as a flash one turned and flew at the other they met in mid-air with a great flurry of feathers back they drew crouching then they were at it again clawing and pecking until the world became saturated with flying rooster the spectators were frantic with joy they screamed applause they shouted advice at the contestants again the cocks drew back crouching a wild yell went up from the stands i could observe nothing but these fellows were experts and they saw the end before it came for suddenly without warning one of the cocks toppled upon its side gushing blood from its trembling beak in a flash the other was upon it pecking triumphantly at its head and the crowd poured into the ring there were other combats the intermissions were long and marked always with much bickering the fight might end in a minute the intermission was always at least a half hour after the roosters were paired there was delay for the fixing of the gaffs delay for the bedding delay while each owner brought in another cock to peck his fighter into the proper rage but these people could tolerate any delay especially if it were in the interests of the national sport when two cocks did not appear eager to slaughter themselves to make a honduran holiday the wrathful spectators hurled abuse at them cowards you are worse than hens caramba but there was only one such pair the others were game they might strut about interminably in their effort to secure an advantage but once they clashed they fought to the death sometimes it came unexpectedly with one quick blow of the knife usually one of the birds sank weakly on a severed leg yet wriggled valiantly toward the other only to be pecked again and again until the whole back of its neck was a ghastly wound 
and two of the contestants big strong birds with glorious plumage of many shades and equipped with long powerful legs hurled themselves at each other the moment they were released they met with a crash and tumbled over and over clawing and biting and rolling the length of the arena in an undistinguishable mess of feathered warrior the crowd was upon its feet men screamed with joy and after it was all over they hugged one another the little fat man turned to me how do you like it muy bonita verdad very nice what awfully nice there will be others we shall fight until dark but i strolled back to the comparative quiet of the hotel the spaniard's birds had all been defeated wherefore he was going home by the usual means of travel nine a week passed and nothing happened rumors flew thick and fast however everyone discussed the forthcoming revolution as a certainty now and then a peon would drop casually into the hotel to inquire in whispers whether the guests had any ammunition to sell he never used the word ammunition but resorted to harmless-sounding synonyms unintelligible except to the born conspirator one noticed that the men of the upper classes were more democratic than usual men of distinguished appearance would stop in the plaza to chat with the barefoot rabble whom they ordinarily passed without recognition politicians were now cultivating goodwill they would soon need this rabble as cannon fodder it was said that carias would start his insurrection on christmas eve the government as a precaution against the assembling of a crowd forbade the holding of the usual midnight mass at the cathedral when i spoke english over the telephone the day before in conversation with a member of the american colony i was interrupted by the frantic voice of a censor clamouring that i confine myself to spanish and shortly thereafter a police official waited upon me and put me through a courteous third degree a later report stated that the government had taken five hundred prisoners and that the revolution was postponed but an air of expectancy still hung over the capital christmas eve a la noche buena was gloomy a drizzle of rain fell intermittently the street lamps never very bright into guchigalpa seemed unusually dim the sidewalks were deserted save for patrols of soldiers who stopped me at each corner to search for weapons on the night before all had been gaiety over in camewala the suburb across the river there had been a religious festival la fiesta de la concepcion la parisima the festival of the purest conception the cathedral had been surrounded by improvised board shacks where booze was sold at tables in the open lighted by flaring torches there had been roulette wheels and other gambling devices there had been music in the plaza and the bells of the town all with white faces but with tell-tale arms and necks varying in color from a creamy tint to a deep chocolate brown had paraded around and around the park while the young dandies fairly impaled themselves on the fence pickets to watch them but to-night gaiety stayed indoors through the open windows i could see an occasional tinsel-decked tree but more frequently a navidad the old spanish christmas decoration a triangular stage in one corner of the parlor covered with artificial grass with a little cave at the rear wherein reposed replicas of mary and jesus 
other figures filled the foreground according to the family's resources there were the three wise men mounted on toy burrows there were ten soldiers and paper soldiers cardboard houses cardboard trees toy animals toy railway trains everything imaginable until the humble manger was surrounded by all the creatures of the zoo and all the inventions of modern civilization the whole display was decked with pine boughs and thatches of banana leaf each family was very proud of his navidad and if i paused to indulge a traveller's curiosity by staring through the window an impulse quite irresistible in these countries where windows open directly upon the street and are left unshuttered by a people whose greatest joy in life is to be looked at the family would invite me inside that i might examine the display at close range they were quietly happy these people yet they seemed listening always for the first boom of the cannon nothing happened however nothing ever did happen in latin america while i was present from day to day i had heard what sounded like the rattle of musketry and had rushed out to see the fighting only to learn that the rattle came from the ungreased wheels of an ox-cart lumbering over the rough cobbles at the consul's christmas dinner attended by a dozen of the leading americans in town every one had had the same experience there was a crowd gathering on the hill to-day someone remarked the police came up in a body and dispersed it did you hear the shooting the night before last another inquired there were several pistol shots and then the burst of a machine-gun i wonder how soon they will really start but the american minister from the seat of honour at the right of the host merely smiled there will be no revolution he predicted do you mean the united states will intervene he merely smiled again still i felt that there was hope the ox-carts were sounding more and more like musketry every day ten christmas having provided no thrills Tegucigalpa looked forward to new year's on that day congress was to convene to choose a president whoever was chosen would probably be obliged to fight the other two candidates in the meantime i hired a mule and rode out to see the american-owned rosario mines at san juancito forty kilometers from the capital the trail was rugged but it led through magnificent scenery among pine-clad mountains ascending a ridge seven thousand feet high where the clouds formed a heavy wet blanket yet opened occasionally to permit a glimpse of wild tropical forest below most mining properties are situated in barren desolate regions that of the rosario company the largest silver mine in central america is situated in a glorious valley and from its neat white buildings one looks down upon a misty wilderness that stretches away through countless lower valleys with a silver ribbon of water curling through them toward the sea despite its isolation and the one rough mule trail that connects the mine with the rest of the world it roared with industry there was a reverberating chorus of giant crushers the rattle of cars on many miles of narrow-gauge track the crash of ore-bearing rock dumped into the stamp mills the hum of massive machinery we brought everything out in ox-cart or on mule-back said the young appearing superintendent we now have seventy miles of tunnel and employ eight hundred men in rosario thirteen hundred indirectly and less than thirty gringo bosses run the whole thing 
we used to have twice the force but we've cut it down there's efficiency nowadays even forty kilometers from a town in honduras we turned out two million ounces of silver this year the gringo bosses were quiet earnest young men intent upon their work there were none of the roistering adventurers that one looks for in the wilds of a honduran jungle they drank moderately very moderately it seemed to one who had worked in an andean mining camp and never carried revolvers except when visiting the native town in the gulch below which averaged two murders every sunday they spent most of their spare time in the clubroom a comfortable room with a big fireplace pool tables piano and victrola and a complete library the camp was at an altitude of five thousand feet the night was cold the blazing fire was agreeable this is the tropics said one of them and i have to pay double life insurance rates for living here when it's much more healthy than any place in the united states the superintendent drew me aside and led me upstairs to hear his radio the blare of jazz was as clear as though one listened in from new york that's vincent lopez in the grill room of the pennsylvania wait a minute till i get schenectady and we'll have a bedtime story out here in the wilderness forty kilometers from the nearest town and many hundred miles from a railway gringo energy had produced all the comforts of home and gringo industry was furnishing much of the wealth that flowed into the honduran treasury eleven the real mainstay of the honduran treasury is the east coast where several american fruit companies own extensive banana plantations it has little connection with the rest of the country a newly instituted service by airplane now enables one to reach it from tegucigalpa in a couple of days but unless one can afford this method of travel one must go by mule and the journey takes about two weeks the several glingo concerns have so developed the formerly worthless fever-stricken swamps of the caribbean that today it contains almost half the population of honduras and produces eighty-two per cent of the country's revenue and both ratios are increasing in favor of the coast nearly all the revolutions start in this region partly because of its isolation from the capital where the government holds sway and partly because in cutting off the revenue the revolutionists can starve the government into surrender with every revolution as in all these countries come rumors that some american company is back of it financing a new regime as the cheapest road to new concessions the rumors are so recurrent that some of them are probably true but the hondurians as a whole are rather fond of insurrection whether started by foreigners or by their own countrymen living in a country for the most part unfertile and unproductive whose resources can be developed only by much toil and trouble they find it easier to leave constructive work to the gringo while they squabble among themselves for control of the government twelve january first arrived and congress met i went to the capital with mario rivas who was the associated press correspondent and the editor of tegucigalpa's leading magazine he was a spaniard and a neutral in politics if any one starts shooting he advised the quickest way out of the building is that of sliding down the shed running across the patio and climbing over the roof the legislators met in a long narrow room filled with plain wooden benches 
on the wall were the pictures of former presidents almost none of whom had been able to finish his term before succeeded by one of the others the chamber's only real embellishments were the many flags and draperies of blue and white that hung from the ceiling at the entrance was a company of boy soldiers from the military school none of them twenty years of age but considered the most dependable of the government troops their officers scanned every one who entered the capital but they knew ribas and passed us without question the congressmen assembled gradually each of them appearing a trifle nervous they wore high hats and prince albert coats but a suspicious bulge at the hip testified that each was ready for a possible emergency and when a coat swung accidentally open one caught a glimpse of a well-filled cartridge belt still the first day passed without disturbance there was a slight row when the august body voted down a motion to make some trifling alteration to the minutes of the last meeting the deputy whose motion was defeated rose indignantly with the amazing sensitiveness of the latin american he felt that he had been personally insulted furiously he turned and stamped out of congress seizing his hat and cane from the rack outside and knocking down the hats of several other deputies in his haste they all rushed out picked up their hats wiped off the dust and hung them up again then the meeting resumed interrupted by other slight rows as other men took offence because their suggestions were not received enthusiastically and followed the exit of the first finally the remaining few sent a committee to inform the president that they were ready to listen to his opening message the cadets formed a double line from the palace to the capitol and the president came in person walking at the head of the cabinet and the diplomatic corps he was a worried-looking little man and he walked with tired step four bands cheered him with the national anthem all playing in different tempo a boom of cannon greeted him from the fortress and his boy soldiers presented arms at sixty different angles the crowds applauded and i was reaching into my pocket for a handkerchief to wave at him when a firm hand closed upon my wrist and i looked into the hard face of a honduran secret service man pardon monsignor he said as he saw that i had only a handkerchief one cannot be too careful these days then the president disappeared into the capital to read his message and the soldiers barred the gates to sightseers there'll be nothing happening to-day said rivas it takes them a while to get started wait until they meet to-morrow thirteen but nothing happened on the morrow or the day after that congress was still indulging in oratory from time to time someone suggested a vote on the presidential question but whenever it appeared that arias might have enough supporters present to elect him the adherents of carias and bonilla hastily seized their high silk hats and rushed outside so that there would be no quorum by this time most of the deputies were wearing two guns rumor stated that one congressman had also added to his equipment a machete a sword cane and a pair of brass knuckles it began to look as though he might be able to settle the dispute then by order of the president the military stopped each congressman at the door and disarmed him and the indignant legislators were so incensed that they refused to meet the hall of congress stood empty rumors flew thick and fast again carias had slipped out of the city last night 
he had gone to the east coast to organize his revolution oh no signor he had done nothing of the kind he had gone to the west coast ay but he had just been seen at his dwelling in tegucigalpa he was still in the city perhaps the revolution would start right there there came another night when the outbreak was expected do not go out this evening urged little petrona as she brought my evening beans to the table you may be killed in the street if you are not careful but my experience in latin america had taught me that it is always someone else who is killed there having missed seeing so many insurrections elsewhere i felt it a duty to witness this one and i wandered through the dim streets deserted as on christmas eve and gloomy again with drizzling rain the soldiery were again on patrol searching me at every half block even though they had seen me searched by their cohorts just a few feet away no open windows gave me a view to-night of families gathered about a christmas tree doors and windows alike were shut and tightly barred not a soul was to be met except the barefoot troops not a light was to be seen except the flickering street lamp at each corner at the leading hotel the door was unlocked and i pushed inside instead of the usual swarm of native aristocrats the only occupants of the cafe were the bartender a bootblack and three gringos they were doc sparks and pop doc had the little bootblack on his knee feeding him cheese and teaching him to sing the star-spangled banner sparks was shaking dice with the bartender to determine which should give the other his hat and go home bareheaded pop had four bottles of whiskey before him with which the party was about to adjourn to his room and he was covering the back of an envelope with figures in his effort to determine how four bottles could be evenly distributed among three men seeing me he threw the pencil in the air solved he cried and we adjourned to pop's quarters in the second story of the annex i had some qualms as to the advisability of joining for i dreaded the prospect of missing the revolution but the other gringos already had reached the stage where refusal of such an invitation is considered an affront arrived in pop's room they listened to my protest and overruled it you don't need to see a revolution we'll tell you all about everything that happened in the whole history of honduras what do you want first how about the last revolution doc elected raconteur for the three assumed the attitude of a high school declaimer and announced the last revolution he cleared his throat and commenced dramatically i was standing in the doorway of the young men's christian association in the doorway of the Agusia, corrected sparks of the Agusia, when suddenly a machine-gun started banging down the street and the barroom door went shut behind me catapulting me into the middle of the road i picked myself up and made a rush for the w c t u across the way for the what for the establishment across the way and they slammed the doors in my face i made a bee-line for the epworth league meeting around the corner and the barkeeper there he paused to pour another round and forgot to resume he walked out to the balcony with the empty bottle and returned with a sorrowful comment nobody to throw it at what do you want to hear about next tell him about the badger fight suggested pop pop had stripped off his clothing and now sat naked on the bed a rather slender old gentleman whose white hair still gave him something of dignity young sparks was crawling under the bureau after the corkscrew 
doc big and rotund with cheerful ruddy face again took the floor the badger fight we got the salvadorian minister to be the badger's second he came direct from some diplomatic function wearing his top hat and his long coat and his striped pants and his spats and patent leather shoes we took him up to the hill where we had the badger cage all padded with straw the dog that was to fight the badger was a big ugly bloodhound all the minister had to do was to take hold of the rope and pull the badger out of the cage we explained only we thought it best to put a stovepipe over each of his legs and cover his chest with a baseball protector and put a mask over his face and long gauntlets on his arms you should have seen him in that get-up with a silk hat on top of it all we gave him the end of the rope and said go he was so scared he forgot to let go of the rope and when we all started yelling downhill he beat the whole gang still dragging behind him the old slot bucket that was in the badger cage but he was game he took us all back to town and bought the association of ideas brought doc's eyes to another bottle and he emptied it into the glasses shampooing pop's white hair with the dregs of it atta boy shampoo it chuckled pop and doc shampooed industriously give me the scissors he commanded don't cut it off protested sparks but pop was game cut it all off he cried recklessly the party was getting rough sparks seized an armful of bottles and commenced hurling them from the balcony they crashed noisily upon the silent street pop seized a paper bag blew it up and smote it with a loud bang if i were ever going to see the revolution it was time to make my exit i ducked out quietly strolled downstairs and around the corner and reached the avenue just in time to hear the excitement a volley of musketry sounded from the barracks a few blocks away policemen were blowing their whistles and running up and down i chased after one where is it i demanded he was too busy blowing his whistle to answer me more policemen joined us and we ran towards the plaza colliding with another patrol running from the opposite direction here or there a scattering shot resounded but one could not judge its source we raced around corners up and down the street asking other parties where the trouble was to be found but no one knew at length the shooting subsided and i went home to bed the next morning i made inquiries there was no revolucion senor only a couple of drunken americanos blowing up paper bags and smashing bottles fourteen tegucigalpa was quiet again the american minister drove past my hotel in a big automobile filled with american naval officers in gold braid and cocked hats the warship rochester flagship of the panama squadron was now anchored off amalpava admiral dayton had come up to the capital with his staff on what was described officially as nothing more than a courtesy visit but it was reported that american gunboats were now lying off the east coast ports ready to protect american property at the banana plantations and it was humorously said in tegucigalpa that the admiral was about to reconvene congress and preside over it himself there will be much speculation regarding this visit suggested an american at the legation the minister smiled i think there will be no speculation at all honduras apparently had taken the hint just how the election difficulties were to be resolved no one knew but everyone agreed that they would be solved peacefully 
wherefore i caught the daily passenger truck down to amapola to continue my journey to nicaragua but as always in these countries the unexpected happened the american warship as soon as peace had settled upon honduras steamed away and a few days later the whole republic was in flames cable dispatches informed the world that carias had slipped out of tegucigalpa joined forces awaiting him near the nicaraguan border and started back to the capital and that president gutierrez had fled to amapola and died there from nervous strain that the other candidates were leading troops in other sections of the country that machine-guns were sweeping the streets of the cities that american citizens were taking refuge in the legation that the rosario mines were calling for protection and that american marines were landing at the banana plantations of the east coast such is life in honduras End of chapter 14, part 2